The Florida Gators are three and two after beating Eastern Washington 52 to 17. There are still some takeaways to take away from this game, even though it was an FCS opponent, and we're going to talk about them here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Monday. Happy Victory Monday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with whole nine sports and giants country of SI.com. I think LinkedIn Jobs being the official college football recruiting sponsor and the sponsor of this episode. Across the Lockdown College Network, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Lockdown College. Terms and conditions apply. And look, the Florida Gators won. That was good. They won handedly, 52-17. That was a great victory for the Florida Gators. But more importantly, I think, than the win itself, is that it looks like Anthony Richardson is getting going and getting comfortable. Because you watch the Utah game, he looked comfortable against Utah. He did. He wasn't great, but he looked comfortable against Utah. The really two games after that, Kentucky and then South Florida, he did not look comfortable. He did not look, I don't, I don't know, he just looked off as a passer and in the pocket in general, even when he wasn't passing the ball itself. But against, I mean, Tennessee on the road, he did look very good. And then yesterday, it seems weird to say yesterday, um, just because it, it just, and now it's a Monday and it was a Sunday game. Um, so it seems weird to say yesterday, but yesterday um, he looked great. He did. He just, he looked incredibly comfortable in the pocket. And that was kind of the first time since Utah that he looked comfortable at home. So is this him turning the page? He had the beautiful throw first play from scrimmage, by the way, which is a, always a great way to start against an FCS team. Love it when teams do that. Uh, first play from scrimmage, a deep bomb to Justin Shorter, 75-yard touchdown. Great way to start, especially after the defense didn't have a great first drive themselves. Later in the first quarter, Anthony Richardson, a 45-yard scramble. He rolled to the right, advanced the ball, reversed across field to the left, got out of bounds before getting hit. That was about as good a play as you can hope for because you've now got a, scr- a rollout, which he was looking for a pass. It wasn't there, so he picked up yards running the ball. I picked up a huge play running the ball and didn't take an unnecessary hit by getting out of bounds. That was a fantastic play by Anthony Richardson. He did get banged up in, I believe it was the second quarter. Um, he should have been sacked, but he didn't. He stood up. He delivered the strike to Xavier Henderson. And that's one of the things where it's like, well, you know he's got just a, an incredible arm because he had a defender wrapped around his ankle completely wrapped around his right ankle so his plant his back foot is just completely taken up and he just as he's like kind of just not able to move just heaves it and it was a great ball to Xavier Henderson along the sideline those are the kinds of plays that like all three plays that I just talked about are the kinds of plays that Anthony Richardson brings to the table that really no other quarterback or very few other quarterbacks could bring into a, a football team because and I understand Billy Napier's approach of this is a system that I've been running for years. 
this is the system that I've had success with as far as, you know, the, the wide receiver screens and all this stuff. But that's not what works with Anthony Richardson. And it seems like this offense is kind of opening up to that, which is fantastic because you hate to see a coach that won't adjust to let his best players do their things. But so few quarterbacks in college football can make the effortless throws that Anthony Richardson can make, like that Justin Schroeder deep bomb, can make the plays that require effort, like that like that Xavier Henderson pass down the sideline, or run 45 yards. So I, I think that that's something where you don't really see that often from college football quarterbacks if they can't do it. But the Florida Gators have one of the very few guys that can do it. And then that's something that's just fantastic here. So I think that's one thing where the past two games, you've seen Billy Napier kind of open up the playbook a little bit where you see more play actions, which is fantastic because when you have as strong a running game as the Florida Gators have had, and when you've got a dual threat quarterback like the Florida Gators have, it's it's great to run those play action plays. You have to keep the defense honest, keep them guessing. And even the first play from scrimmage, they ran a play action. The safety bit in, and that's why Justin Shorter is open deep over the middle of the field on that post route because the play action. The bootlegs, that 45-yard game came from a bootleg with Anthony Richardson rolling out and then picking up what was there. Deep shots, we saw that early and often, and with both quarterbacks. We saw both quarterbacks throw the ball deep consistently. We've seen Billy Napier open up as a play caller because for the first really three games, he was not opening up at all. He was like, look, we're going to run wide receiver screens. We're going to run touch passes. We're going to run jet sweeps. We're going to run all these things that are pretty simple. And we're just going to try to beat them by playing good defense and then scoring, doing the few things we do successfully. And that's not going to work in the SEC. In the Sun Belt, yes, it worked. And Billy Napier is realizing that it's not going to work in the SEC. And when you have a quarterback that can do all of these things, it's fantastic to open up the playbook. Billy Napier is evolving as a play caller right in front of our eyes. Everybody that after week two was like, oh, we need a new play caller. We need a new play caller. You have to realize the options that Billy Napier has are to either evolve as a play caller, which he has been doing, hand play calling duty over to Rob Sale, who is the offensive coordinator, or bring in a new play caller, in which case you'd probably then lose Rob Sale because I doubt he would take a co-offensive coordinator position at this point. So I think that those are the options, and Billy Napier is choosing the easiest one, which is to evolve as a play caller, which is fantastic. Anthony Richardson was money all game, just accurate passes. And I legitimately mean accurate passes. There was one ball where it was to Trent Widmore, where it was a little overthrown, but luckily Trent Widmore being 6'3", he, he got to make that catch. And there were a few passes where I, I believe it was – uh, a Dejon Reynolds crosser. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that was still Anthony Richardson in the game. I'll get this off the top of my head. If I'm not mistaken, that was still Anthony Richardson in the game. And he threw it a little behind Dejon. It was still an accurate ball. It just wasn't perfect throw to kind of um, uh, maximize yards after the catch. But again, I mean, I don't care about that. I, I Right now, right now, I don't care about that. Uh, obviously, we will need to improve that. But right now we're looking at the fantastic game that Anthony Richardson played, especially with a banged up ankle for the second half of his participation. So I, I'm totally cool with the exact game plan that worked out. I realized that 52 points is a lot of points. Um, so it's hard to nitpick anyway. I don't care if it's the FCS. A lot of these throws with Jalen Kidd and Anthony Richardson were tight window throws. And that's what matters that they were being completed. We're about to take a look at the defensive side of the ball, which was less stellar than the offense, but first a quick word from 
LinkedIn. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier for you to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people that you want to interview faster and for free. And it's got simple tools like screening questions even that make it easy for you to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. And did you know that nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn every week? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And Florida Gators defense time to talk about it. Um, this was an absolutely horrible start by the Florida Gators defense. I don't think that it really could have been... Um, it's just so frustrating. I was going to say it couldn't be worse, but it could have been worse, obviously. Eastern Washington could have actually scored. We could have seen a Samford repeat. Um, but it, it was a very horrible game um, by the Florida Gators defense for the starters for what you expect there because you expect the starters to kind of manhandle uh, an FCS team. That's what you should expect. So I, I think that it's not – I don't think it's being too nitpicky. Like I think with Anthony Richardson saying, okay, like he threw it a little too far behind Dejon Reynolds, that's nitpicky. But when you look at this defense, there were certain things that shouldn't have been nit- nitpicky. Um, tackling for the huge majority of the game – was just bad, whether it was bad form, tackling so high. I, I don't know what it is. I saw multiple Gators defenders try to just tackle at the shoulders. That's why you get run through. It, it's just, it's so horrible technique that we've seen at certain points. And that's the, against Utah, there was solid technique. There was a lot of plays with solid, good technique. And just the Florida Gators defense against uh, Eastern Washington, I don't know if it was overlooking them or what, but they were not being killers out there, and you have to be a killer. We, we just saw absolutely just just poor, poor tackling throughout. It was horrible. This defensive line, I don't know what it is. You, you changed up the defensive line this week. They just get pushed around so much. It, it's so bad to see. This was an FCS offensive line, and they were getting consistent push against this Florida Gators defensive line. That consistent push. Jervon Dexter, I don't know what it is with him, but Jervon Dexter came into the season with everybody saying, he's going to be a first-round pick. He's going to be a first-round pick. He is such a dominant offensive, uh, defensive lineman. We're going to see an 8-10 to 10 sack season from him. He is so good. He has gone ghost. There, I saw him on the ground way more times than acceptable against Eastern Washington. Why is he on the ground against an FCS offensive line that doesn't have NFL players on it? Let's make that clear. FCS, especially Eastern Washington, has produced NFL players. Michael Roos with the Tennessee Titans for a long time was a good NFL player. He came from Eastern Washington. We've seen NFL players come from Eastern Washington's offensive line. They don't have those guys right now. They don't have NFL players along their offensive line. And Jervon Dexter is on the ground while getting single teamed. I don't want to hear the, he's getting double teamed. He's getting triple teamed every time because he wasn't. He was getting manhandled. That's what was happening to him. And it's just not things that are acceptable from your all SEC caliber defensive lineman, from your all American caliber defensive lineman. 
It was just so – he's been so inconsistent this year. And it's not like it's like, oh, well, maybe playing him a defensive end change things because he's lining up in the same spots he's lined up in last year. He's doing the same thing he did last year, but he's not being nearly as effective or nearly as dominant as he's been. So I don't know what it is about him, but my word, he has been bad this year. There's no way to put it. I don't care about him getting tri- his, him getting double teamed or triple teamed. I saw Chris McLellan shedding double teams. I haven't seen Javon Dexter do that. It seems like Javon Dexter's fine with just two defense, two offensive linemen coming at him. And he's like, okay, I'm eating up two blocks as if he's a nose tackle. Like, no, you're supposed to be a three tag. You're supposed to be getting that pressure. Shed the block, shoot the gap, do something. But he has just been so pedestrian and so passive. And it's been horrible. It's been bad to see this year. Speaking of passive, I last week I was like, hey, Prince Liam and Malian has been too passive. He was not passive this week. He, he was a bit assertive. Um, fantastic inside move to get that strip sack on Gunnar Talkington, which, by the way, um, he I don't care that it was a, a simplified offense. He looked pretty solid against his Florida Gators defense, and I feel like that's a bad sign against his Florida Gators defense. The hitches were there for him all game. I don't know if, again, I'd have to rewatch the game again. I don't know if it was in cover two, cover three, if it was man, whatever it was. Hitches were there for him all game, whether it was Jason Marshall Jr. or uh, Jaden Hill or Jalen Kimber or Devin Moore or Avery Helm. Hitches were there all day for Eastern Washington. And they worked pretty well with Tennessee. I'd expect more offenses to run just hitches against the Florida Gators because they're going to give you hitches apparently. So expect to see that. The defense in general, though, lacks aggression. Too much of the defensive line or linebackers standing around and waiting for a blocker to engage with you. Waiting to be, okay, well, I'm eating up this block. Someone else can make the tackle. Too much of that, even if it's receivers. There's too much of Florida Gators defenders just waiting to get blocked and eat a block instead of engage with the blocker, shed the block, throw them off, and make a play. It's just not what we're seeing from the Florida Gators defenses here. They're not playing aggressive football. They're just being passive far too often. And I understand with, with, let's say, talking about the hitches, I understand playing bend, don't break defense. Like I, I fully understand and support the idea of playing bend, don't break defense if you're Florida, especially against Eastern Washington, where it's like, well, would you rather, if you think you're better than a team, would you rather be aggressive and give up a big play? Or would you rather be kind of conservative defensively and make a team consistently march down the field, consistently beat you? Because it's very hard to do. Um, it is very hard to consistently find success if you're a worse team. That's why they rely on like Middle Tennessee State against Miami. Miami's obviously a better football team than Middle Tennessee State. But Middle Te- but Miami was aggressive against Middle Tennessee State and it didn't pay off. And big chunk plays are what killed them. So I think that when you're looking at this game and you're Florida versus Eastern Washington, you want to play bend, don't break defense. It's what Texas A&M did to Miami. Texas A&M was like, okay, Miami, you can get downfield if you can, and then you can try to get into the end zone, but we're going to see what happens there. That's what Florida did against Eastern Washington for a good bit. They are like, hey, you can, you can have some marches, you can have some, some first downs, some conversions, but if you're going to get into the end zone, we're going to make it a lot more difficult. And that, that's what happened with Eastern Washington and the Florida Gators. I get bend, don't break defense, but here's the thing. Ben don't break defense does not apply to the running game. It, it, it's passive coverage. But when you see the handoff, you have to fly in and make a play. And too often, the Florida Gators just let Eastern Washington go. You know, the defensive line was not penetrating consistently enough. 
the linebackers were not flying to the ball consistently enough. It, it was just bad football in, in terms of execution on the defensive side of the ball. Scheme-wise, again, I, I get playing bend, don't break. We didn't see anything really creative from Patrick Tony and Sean Spencer. They, this was not their usual. Like You didn't see creepers often, or at least I didn't watch while watching. I didn't see it often. I saw them saying, okay, we're going to let Eastern Washington throw the ball and try to beat us that way. And that's fine because Eastern Washington loves to throw the ball. They love to throw the ball short. So you run that bend, don't break defense, and you just go, okay, do it consistently, and you and you got a chance. They couldn't do it consistently but they did it too often than you'd like, but it's just the run game. I, I don't know what it is. They're so passive, this defense. They're playing soft football. That's what they're doing. They're playing soft football, and, and that's got to change. That's got to get fixed, especially when you're heading into SEC play throughout pretty much the rest of the season now. Uh, that, that's got to get fixed. But we're about to take a look at the new faces that we saw on the field, whether it was Jalen Kitna, Jaden Hills returned to the Gators secondary. We're going to take a look at some of these things, but first a quick word from bet online, because I mean, the Florida Gators against Eastern Washington were, I believe it was 39 and a half point favorites. Um, spoiler, they didn't cover that spread. Florida does not like covering the spread when they're favored to win. Uh, when, when they're projected to lose, they love it. They've been projected to lose twice this year. They covered the spread both times. They've been favored to win three times this year. They have not covered the spread. So as underdogs, bet Florida cover the spread. As favorites, bet against them. Fade them. Uh, simple as that. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. I've been using Bet Online for about six years now. It's got so much, not just football, baseball, basketball, soccer, hockey, tennis, table tennis, darts. Um, you can bet on horse racing. You bet on anything you want with Bet Online. You can bet on politics, which, by the way, Brazilian election this week. So if you did bet on that, if you bet on Bolsonaro, congrats, because he's probably winning it. Um, but but there's that. You've got on reality TV, award shows, so much. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn all about the trends and action. Check out Bet Online. It's where the game starts. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about the new faces that we saw for the Florida Gators. And obviously, uh, you have to talk about Jalen Kitna, right? Like Jalen Kitna has to be the focal point. Jalen Kitna came in. Uh, briefly, when Anthony Richardson at, injured his ankle on that throw, um, where it's like, okay, happens. Um, I don't think it was a dirty play. I know people were talking about the Eastern Washington defender, like had his had his hands wrapped around Anthony Richardson and was rolling and trying to injure him. I don't think he was trying to injure him. I think he was rolling to try and finish a sack, um, which makes sense. Fantastic throw, but again, Anthony Richardson came out afterwards. Um, he did ultimately come back in, I believe later that same drive or the next drive. Uh, but Jalen Kitna came in, he, it, it gives the Florida Gators a little bit of comfort now with their depth. Uh, Jalen Kitna looked phenomenal in the game. He was making confident throws, tight window throws, throwing downfield with Caleb Payday Douglas. There's a fantastic connection. Uh, Payday was making his, uh, Florida Gators debut. I realized people were like, Oh, Billy Napier named Caleb Douglas Payday. That was his nickname going back to high school. <laughs> that's, that's what he was getting recruited as, was Caleb Payday Douglas. So that hasn't changed. But uh, Jalen Kitna loved his performance. I did. Jack Miller III still out with that thumb issue. He was listed as questionable before the game, did not dress, did not play, obviously. Uh, Jalen Kitna, great, great debut. Uh, that was his first college football action, and he did he played it fantastically. He did. Um, especially when you're looking at depth, you see a lot of backups come in passively 
and just try to not screw up. Jalen Kidna was like, nope, I'm, it's not about not screwing up. I'm letting this thing fly. Um, he's an absolute uh, – what, what, I don't even know how to describe – Jalen Kidna is an absolute – lunatic as a passer he has no problem making tight window throws he's absolutely confident and you love to see that uh, especially because you know for so much of the first few weeks it was anthony richardson's not running the ball because florida gators they don't have a backup that they're confident in anthony richardson is playing passive football because florida gators they don't have a backup that he's confident in but now i mean i don't know if you're confident in Jalen kitna considering that it was against Eastern Washington. But again, he was making tight window throws, which is what matters. Um, so I think I, as a fan myself, I'm saying, okay, I, I don't, I'm not saying Jalen Kidna should start over Anthony Richardson. What I am saying is that if anything were to happen to Anthony Richardson, I feel not comfortable, but I don't feel like it's judgment day or doomsday, whatever it is. Uh, if Jalen Kidna comes in, I understand that the ceiling for the Florida Gators fell off drastically if Anthony Richardson gets hurt. But uh, Jalen Kitna, I, I, I'm a bit confident in him. And I, I'll say that that's something that we haven't heard much of with confidence in your backup quarterback. But Jalen Kitna is there. Jack Miller is there. I don't know who's going to be QB2 when Jack Miller is healthy. But Jalen Kitna at least gives you a little bit of breathing room there where it's like, okay, sky's not falling. So there's that. Uh, Jaden Hill did return made his Florida Gators return after not playing since I believe the bowl game against Oklahoma in 2020 tore his ACL right before the season last year, injured his knee beforehand. Um, it, it was, Hey, it, it's, it's Florida Gators football. Now with Jaden Hill back and everybody's here. He did give up a few easy completions on the sideline, but again, that was the hitches were there. Florida was clearly playing passive coverage they're just like, don't get beat deep over top. And Jaden Hill did that. Jaden Hill also made a fantastic stop. I don't like that people keep crediting Ventrell Miller with it. Um, it was a fantastic stop from Jaden Hill on that fourth down. I believe it was fourth and two. They ran the speed option. They converted a fourth and two with a speed option already. Eastern Washington ran a speed option. Anthony and uh, Jaden Hill made that stop. And it, was, it was great. I get it. He didn't finish the play. He completely stonewalled the pitch man and then Ventra Miller finished it. But Jaden Hill made that stop. Like that play does not happen without Jaden Hill. Uh, he, he struggled in coverage he, or not struggling in coverage. He struggled making tackles at certain points. I don't know if he was being more passive because of the knee. I don't, I, I think he's just not a super aggressive corner. Um, but you know, he, he had a solid return. We saw all five corners that we want to see rotate in rotating in we saw some depth there stepping in as well secondary had a ton of depth uh miguel mitchell stepped in at star he was in there very early i don't know what it was but he was i think the second snap of the game was his first snap on the field so he played early and often at star true freshman uh hadn't played before before this game if i'm not mistaken he forced a fumble in the backfield that uh, i believe it was tyreek sap tried to scoop and score but it was it was a third and long I believe Tyreek Sapp tried to scoop and score, dropped it when he tried to scoop, and uh, Eastern Washington ended up recovering. But Miguel Mitchell made a fantastic play. So much of the youth of the young players on the Florida Gators defense made plays today that you typically didn't expect them to make. And again, I get it. It's Eastern Washington. But you can still see positive things and go, okay, like that's, that's good that you still see it. You don't need it to go 
against Alabama, against Georgia, against A&M. You don't need to say that. You could just say, wow, like, like that's a good play made by a Florida Gators defender. Let's be happy about it. Miguel Mitchell did that. Dewan Black, I mean, Dewan Black's the last player that we're going to talk about here. Dewan Black is a phenomenal athlete. There is absolutely no doubt about that. That's not even a question that you could ask. Dewan Black's a phenomenal athlete. Dewan Black made some plays against Eastern Washington. He made a play against Tennessee when he recovered the onside kick one-handed. However, he looks like he is all all athleticism, and he kind of just looked lost in coverage when he was supposed to go. Um, when he was supposed to be reading and reacting to run plays, he did not look like he was doing that. He kind of looked like he was just throwing himself out of position and out-athleting everything else to get himself back into position. I, I think it's clear why he's not starting and why he's not seeing consistent playing time. Um, hopefully, as he kind of picks up more Instinct-wise, we'll see him play a bit more, but so far, uh, I, I understand why he's not playing a ton. That's not surprising. But hey, he, he made plays. He did get banged up, uh, walked off on his own power, but he did get banged up. Looked like he hurt his left knee at a certain point. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But Dewan Black, great athlete. I'm not sure what his role is supposed to be on this defense because he just doesn't seem like he's kind of picking up what his assignments are. And it kind of makes sense with his read and react ability that well, I mean, yeah, he's a freak athlete, but you, you have to be reliable out there, and I don't think he's very reliable. Thanks for making Lock Gators your first listen of the day every day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow. I, we're not going to have Tape Tuesday. I'm not going to have the tape available in time, so no Tape Tuesday for the Eastern Washington game, but we're still going to be talking Florida Gators football. Check out Lockdown SEC hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790 for your second listen. Get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university. University of Florida for Locked On Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. And I'll see you all tomorrow.